Uh, This morning's scripture reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. And it's titled, uh, it's tied into Miles' uh, lesson this morning, titled Walking in His Ways. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Good morning, church. Happy to be here with you today. I thought we could start with a show of hands this morning. How many people uh, use Google Maps or Apple Maps or something like that when they're driving? Uh, Lots of people, yeah. I have to admit, um, I use it a lot, probably too much actually. Sometimes, you know, I just like to sort of veg out when I'm driving in a safe way, but uh, just following that blue line is is nice sometimes, not having to think about coming up with your own directions. Uh, But this can get you into trouble though, right? Uh, A little while back, uh, we were heading to a friend's house, and even though I know where they lived and everything, I still just put the directions uh, in the uh, Google Maps and started going, and and so we started driving, and after a couple of minutes, things just didn't seem quite right, and um, I decided to take a closer look at the map, and I figured out, uh, after looking at it more closely, that, you know, even though I, I told it to route me to my friend's house, it was actually routing me to somewhere in the southern United States, <laughs> Uh, I don't know how that happened, but I'm glad I realized before we got to the border. Um, this goes to prove a point, though, right? E- even with all our modern technology, we still have to keep our wits about us when it comes to directions. Sometimes even simple directions can feel pretty confusing. And, of course, it's not just driving directions, right? Directions of any sort can be confusing, and I think that's something that's getting more and more challenging in the culture we live in. We're, we're tending to hear more and more voices telling us which way to go with our lives or, or what the right thing is to do or, or what the important things are to focus on. It can feel overwhelming at times. It can be hard to know where to turn. As you hopefully know already, this year we're focusing on spiritual growth and maturity in 2024. And in these first couple months, we've been spending our time talking about sort of the who does what in spiritual growth. We talked about how the church helps us to grow. Uh, We talked about the individual's role that they play in their own spiritual growth. And today uh, we want to talk about God's role. How does God help us to grow spiritually? And what I hope we can come to appreciate today is, you know, unlike those bad directions I got to my friend's house, God's directions for our lives are not going to lead us astray. 
Today, I hope we're going to see that walking in His ways is the path towards spiritual growth. God leads us to walk in His ways by setting a path out before us. He provides a path towards spiritual growth. But He doesn't stop there. He's not content just to give us a path and let us figure it out on our own. He's also the guide for us. He is the guide to guide us along His ways, to walk in His ways. And today I want to look at this incredible passage um, that we just read from Deuteronomy 30. And I, I hope that what we read and talk about this morning will inspire us all to see the value of walking in his ways and choosing his path towards a, a life of growth and life that he has for us. The words that Roger just read to us from Deuteronomy 30, they were originally written to the Israelites under the Old Covenant or the Law of Moses, the law that God gave to his people through Moses, his servant. And Moses spoke these words to the Israelites just before they crossed over the Jordan River into the promised land that God had given them. The Israelites at this point had been wandering through the desert, through the wilderness for like 40 years. And they were finally ready to take uh, possession of that land that God had promised them. It was, it was a time of great potential for the people. It was, it was a time of great hope that was set before them. But their success would depend on whether or not they chose God's ways or the ways of the nations around them. You can hear the serious tone in Moses' words you know, when he's imploring them to make the choice to stay on God's path. In verse 15 he says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Moses is not mincing words here, right? He's saying basically, you know, you have a life and death decision to make. You can either choose God's path and live a good life that he has for you, or you can choose another path and experience the evil and the death that come along with that. These are pretty intense words. And, you know, we might be reading them and we be tempted to think, well, you know, that's just an Old Testament thing. Like, you know, life and death, it was life and death for them to obey God's commands in that time. But for us today, things are different. And I mean, yeah, in, in some ways it's true that the words were spoken uh, to a particular people in a particular context at a particular time. But the concept of God's paths for us leading to life while all other paths lead to death is definitely not just an Old Testament thing. It's, it's a universal truth in Scripture. Of course, we see it all through Scripture. For instance, if we back up right to the beginning, before the law of Moses, we see this show up right at the beginning of, of God's story that he's revealed to us with Adam and Eve in the garden. Verse uh, 16 and 17 of Genesis 2 says the Lord commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die. These are some of the first words that God spoke to Adam that we have recorded in scripture and it's the same message right I'm giving you he says I'm giving you a choice. The plan I have for you will, will cause good things to happen to your life. But if you choose another path, a path of your own making, well, it's not going to go so well for you. In fact, he says, you will certainly die. But this isn't the first time, right? God also says this. Uh, this isn't the only time. I mean, God also says something similar to Adam's son, Cain, in Genesis 4, verse 7. He said to him, 
If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain has the same choice as his father did. He can choose the path of life that's accepted by God, that's blessed by him, or he can also choose another path. He can choose the path of sin. God wants what's best for Cain, but sin doesn't. It says here that sin is contrary to him or opposed to him. It it does not want what is best for him. The path of sin will destroy Cain, and God warns him to rule over sin before sin rules over him. We see that same concept show up again here in, in the New Testament. Like I said, this is all through Scripture, right? In Romans 6.23, we, we read, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We see that's the same choice here again, right? If we choose our own path, the path of sin, we earn a wage for that. And that wage is death. But there's another path that God has set before us. It's the path of eternal life that comes through following Jesus. And... um it's just so important that we understand this choice that we have to make. One last example from James. In James 1.15, it says, uh, There, uh, sorry, then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There's that word again. So it's clear, again here, that taking the path of sin leads to death. It's a universal truth that has always applied to God's people, And today I really want us to grasp the significance and the seriousness of this. And I also want us to see it in the light, uh, sorry, I also want us to see it in the right light as well. Because sometimes I think we kind of misunderstand it and, and, and if we do, we sort of end up misunderstanding who God is because of it. For example, if we go back into our text this morning that, that we heard a little while ago from Deuteronomy 30, It says in verses 17 in the first part of 18, If your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. This is God's words through Moses to his people. When you hear that, or or when you read that, when you read those words on the screen, how do you picture God? We have to be careful because we can read scriptures like this and view God as, you know, sort of like a bully making threats to people. Or maybe we read it and we think of him as a stubborn old man with a temper, you know, my way or else. And if we do, if we read it that way, it's going to change our whole approach to obedience. It will change the way that we obey God and it will change the way that we look at his path for us. So how do you think of God when you hear these words? Is he making a threat or is he offering a rescue or maybe a bit of both or or maybe you're not sure? Let me offer something that's been helpful to me. In short, it, it has a lot to do with how much we think we need his commands in the first place. Maybe an analogy is helpful. When it comes to your spiritual life, are you lounging on a cruise ship or drowning in the sea? <laughs> Let me explain. You see, one option is to view ourselves on the spiritual equivalent of a cruise ship. You know, life is great. We're comfortable, self-sufficient. Actually, we're having a pretty good time. 
And if we think of our lives in that way, then when we read words like this from from Deuteronomy that tell us we need to choose God's path or else, you know, it's going to feel like a threat. We might think it's coming from someone like a stubborn old man telling us what to do. Why would we want to choose his ways? We're having a good time right now. We don't need his ways anyway. Things are good if we're on the cruise ship. You see, if we don't really understand our need for God's commands, you know, scriptures like this might not make any sense. But the problem is the cruise ship is an illusion. On our own, humanity is not on the cruise ship because on our own, we do not have all we need. The story of the Bible proves over and over that when humans are left to their own devices, they are not secure. They are not satisfied. They uh, choose things that are not good for them. As much as our own path might feel secure and good, the reality is that it's an illusion. It's a facade. And the reality is that on our own, the situation we're actually in is a lot more like drowning in the sea. We need a rescue. And thankfully, God cares about us enough to come to our rescue. I mean, picture this with me for a moment, you know. That you're drowning in the sea. You're, you're gasping for air. You can't see land in any direction. It's dark. You have no idea where you are, let alone how to make it to shore. If we view our spiritual situation like that, you know, the words in Deuteronomy verses 16 to 18 take on a lot more meaning. They take on a whole new perspective. It's not a threat. It's a rescue. It's the promise of the way out. And this is what God provides, you know, to stick with the analogy. It's like he swam out to meet us in the middle of the ocean and said, hey, I know the way out of here. And if you follow my path and swim in my ways, I'll take you to the shore. It's about a rescue. But God isn't going to drag us to the shore, right? He's given us free will. He's given us the choice to choose him or not. Yeah, we can choose to stay put. We can we can say, no way, I'm not going with you. I'm going to stay here. I don't want your path. And he's, he'll let us make that choice. And that's the equivalent of what it's like to choose the path of sin for our lives. We can make that choice, but just like being stranded in the middle of the sea, you know, that choice only has one outcome, certain death. We need to walk in God's ways because he is the path to the shore that we so desperately need to take. He is the path. And all of that is to to point out how he is the path. He's the path toward uh, spiritual growth. He's the path toward eternal life. He's the path toward everything we're always meant to be and strive for and do. And every other path is a path that leads somewhere else, somewhere we don't want to be. So if God is the path, well, how do we take it? Or how do we take him? Our scripture shows us a lot about this, at least two really important ways that we see in verse 16. It says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and keeping his commands and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord will Uh, And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to take possession of it. So here we see two paths or two ways that we can take his path. It's by loving him 
and walking in his ways, which, which encapsulates all the obedience and, and following his rules and statutes and commands. Loving him. Let's start with that. It's a powerful term, right? We talked about that last week, you know, heart, soul, mind and strength, right? The whole of our being, loving God. It's more than just seeing God as a net positive in our lives, or it's more than just having fond feelings toward Him. Maybe looking at the opposite of what it means to love God will bring clarity to what loving Him is all about. We already saw this concept in verse 17, you know, this, this concept that the opposite of loving God is having a heart that turns away from Him. So can we say that loving God then in, includes having your heart set on Him? Having your heart set on God. We, we use that phrase sometimes, right? When was the last time you had your heart set on something? It happens a lot, right? We see this in kids a lot, especially, I think. They have their heart set on a certain idea, right? Maybe, maybe they want a, a certain show, a certain food, maybe a certain toy. I know when I was a kid, if I had my heart set on something and I didn't get it, it was like the world was going to end. You know, it seemed like nothing could console me because I just wanted that thing so bad. And I think that's what we need to bring to our relationship with God. I mean, not the, ten, not the temper tantrums, obviously, but that unrelenting, that uncompromising desire for Him. Having our hearts set on Him, a, a desire that can't be replaced with anything else. We have our hearts set on Him. And, and in some ways... I like that idea. It's, it's more simple for me to think about that than thinking about all the other things that my heart should not be set on. You know, yeah, you know, we don't want to worship foreign gods, obviously. And we can talk about what that might look like in our culture today. But ultimately, if our heart is set on the right thing, no one has to tell us the wrong things to avoid. Everything else will kind of just fall into its place if our heart is set on God. And the other thing is, uh, in verse 17, or verse 16 rather, is walking in his ways. Raise your hand if you've been to a physiotherapist uh, in your life ever. That's quite a few people. Um, I think a lot of us are, are familiar with a physiotherapist, right? Long-term care, usually trying to rehabilitate you uh, towards better physical health. I was talking with uh, Dave Turner about this the other day, and, and we concluded that the hardest part about physiotherapy is not showing up to the appointment on time. <laughs> it's not going through the exercises with the physiotherapist. I think you know where I'm going with this, right? The, the hardest thing about a physiotherapist is doing the homework that they give you. Do you do it? For those of you who have been. I actually found a study on this from the World Health Organization. They, they looked into it. Not just with physiotherapy, but with all kinds of long-term um, rehabilitation efforts. And they found that people only followed their treatment plan around 50% of the time. 50%. That's pretty dismal, right? Like, in other words, we'll go to a specialist. We'll find out how we can improve our physical health. But 50% of the time, that's where it ends. You know, we won't actually follow the advice. And we don't have stats on this, but I, I think at a gut level, we know that there's something similar going on with our spiritual health condition too, right? <clears throat> we know that we're supposed to walk in God's ways. We know that His ways are good for us, but too often we find ourselves listening 
to what we need to do, knowing that it's good, knowing that we need to do it, but, you know, we just don't put it into practice. And then we wonder why we're spiritually sick and can't seem to recover. You can hear the desperation in Moses' voice when, in verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. So God knows what we need. And God helps us grow by setting the path before us. He shows us the way to walk. He's created us. He knows what's best for us. And he wants us to grow with him. We need to choose his path for that to happen. But he's not only the path. He's also the guide. And and I'm so thankful for this. You know, God was not just content to give us a path and leave us on our own to figure it out. No, he's, he's willing to walk with us down that path. To help us live for him. He's also our guide. And we can see the importance of us sort of sticking with him. I think in the words from verse 20, the first part of verse 20, uh, Moses said, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Committing yourself firmly to him. It's, it's sticking with that guide. Our God is there to guide us, and he's gone out of his way to do that. We know, especially with our knowledge of the New Testament and the story of Jesus, just how incredibly far he has gone and the lengths that he has gone to to show us how to walk in his ways. He's done so much to help us make the good choice, but nonetheless, the choice is still ours to make. Will we choose to follow the guide or not? It goes back to what we already looked at from verse 17, right? Our hearts... They just tend to turn away from him. Our heart tends to look for other paths. We convince ourselves that God's path is okay, but, you know, there's other paths that sound pretty good too. (laughs) And that's not a problem that's unique to you and me. If we read through the Bible, we can see this is a problem that humanity has had and struggled with right from the beginning. Somehow or another, we always seem to find a better solution, or at least we think we do than the one that God has offered to us. And and when we take those other solutions, uh, we end up hurting ourselves and the people around us when we're refusing to take God as our guide. And this is why the good news is just such good news uh, for for those of us who have decided to follow Jesus. You see, God made a promise to help humanity with this issue of the heart that tends to go astray. He predicted this and and told us about it ahead of time, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. He said these words through the prophet Ezekiel, which I love, from verse, uh, or sorry, chapter 36, verses 25 to 27. He said, I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is an amazing promise. He made this awesome promise to to sort of do a spiritual heart surgery, if you like, on his people. He promised to actually put his spirit inside of them. Why? Well, it says here, you know, to help them choose his path. His spirit would move his people to follow his decrees and be careful to walk in his ways. That's good news. 
And of course, we live in a time now when this promise has already been fulfilled, right? God sent his son to pay that penalty to our, for our sin, what Amir was talking about this morning. And because of that, it's been wiped away. And because our sin has been removed, he can come and dwell within us through his spirit to help us guide, uh, to help to guide us from the inside out. What an amazing gift. The Apostle Paul writes about this in a letter to the church at Philippi. He was talking about the amazing uh, benefits of this arrangement in, in Philippians 1 6. He said, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. I mean, talk about confidence, right? With God guiding his people through his spirit, Paul could say, I am sure of this. God is not going to give up on you, he's going to finish what he started. What a blessing, you know, for those of us who want it. God is helping us to make that choice to walk in his ways. But we still need to make that choice. Going back to the drowning at sea analogy, you know, he's not going to drag us to the shore against our will. God loves us enough to give us free will and he will honor the choice that we make. He won't force us to follow him. And I think one of the clearest passages about that and how it all comes together uh, is is right from the next chapter of Philippians. Actually, in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. I think we read um, passages like this sometimes and, and we get hung up on the idea of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Maybe you read that and you get the idea that we're supposed to be afraid all the time, walking on eggshells like we haven't done enough and, and that we need to keep working harder and harder to make sure we're good enough for God. Please don't draw that conclusion. The fear and trembling points to the tremendous amount of respect that we must have for God and his path for our lives. It's the same thing we've been talking about all morning. God's path for us is not just one of many paths that all kind of lead to the same place. He's not just one voice in a crowd of many voices that, you know, offers similarly good advice. No, he is the way. He's the only way. He's the only hope that we have. Jesus said it. Right? We know these words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This concept of fear and trembling are rooted in that idea. It's like you go to the doctor maybe tomorrow and he says to you, hey man, you're on death's doorstep. I don't know why we didn't catch this before, but if we don't intervene right away, you're going to be dead in a week. But don't worry, he would say next, you know, I have a cure for you. Are you ready to hear it? If you put yourself in in that person's shoes, listening to the doctor, how focused are you going to be on the doctor's next sentence? Are you going to be distracted thinking about, you know, what you might have for dinner tonight? (laughs) Or maybe you're going to be thinking about who's going to win the game tomorrow. Of course not, right? The doctor has the words of life that you need to hear And pay attention to it. And in that way you fear his words. You tremble at them. Your life is hanging on his every word. And it matters to you. 
You respect it. You pay attention to it. You obey it. That's what it means to fear God. He has the very words of life and we hang on to his every word because of that. We need him. Going back to that analogy of being saved from the drowning in the ocean, you can see how this concept of fear comes into play. You know, Jesus said to follow him and and we're following him to the shore for those of us who've given our lives to Christ. And because of that, in many ways, you know, it's we're already saved. It's done. He's taking us there and he's not going to let us down. We can be confident of that. But there's a sense in which we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? Like the verse says, because we need we need to stay with him. As he leads us to the shore, we stick with him because he's the only one who knows the way. We don't say, ah, you go on ahead, Jesus, I'm going to stay here and check out the view for a while. Maybe I'll catch up with you later. (laughs) That's never going to happen, right? We're sticking with him, close to him, with fear and trembling because we know that he's our only hope of reaching the shore. But here's the real beauty. You know, verse 13 offers such incredible hope for the Christian. It says that as we're working out our salvation, it says that he is also working in us. And that's the great, that's the great news. And he does this in two ways. He, he helps us to work, uh, to work something out or to, or to do is maybe a better way to say it in, in more contemporary language, to do the things that please God. But he does more than that. He also helps us to will for it. He helps us to want to follow him too. And that's the beauty of his spirit guiding us. You know, his spirit helps us to desire the things of God, to desire to let him be our guide so that we can walk in his ways. In the ocean analogy, you know, if Christ is the one who swam out to the ocean to meet us, the Spirit is like the life preserver, helping us to stay afloat and helping us to uh, do things with strength that we could never do on our own. Brothers and sisters, God uh, has done so much for us in terms of our spiritual growth. Walking in His ways helps us to become who we were meant to be, and all three persons of God come together in this effort that we've been talking about today. The Father, He gives us the path towards eternal life. The Son shows us how to walk it, and the Spirit helps us to follow in that path by empowering us to walk in His ways. So what will you do today? The same choice lies before each of us. It always has. God shows us the path and offers us, offers to be our guide, but we still have a choice to make. And in some ways, it's a choice that we need to make every single day. And I want to end off with the powerful words from the scripture we already read, because I think this says it all. In verses 19 and 20, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. If you're caught in a rut today and you realize that you've not been taking God's path for your life and you want to change that and you need some help, please feel free to reach out to me or or to any other Christian that you trust. 
Please don't wait on this, because as we've seen today, this is a choice of life and death. And especially if you've not yet committed your life to Jesus and been baptized into him, if you're ready to make that commitment today and start walking in his ways for yourself, please come and see me after this. Thank you so much for your time.